Guess what time it is? It's podcast time! <laughs> we're on episode 33 of this bullshit. I like how excited you sound this. Like, you're like, oh my god. Yeah, it's Thursday <laughs> night. Let's talk about it's cars. It's time for race cars. But that is what we are here to do. It is, it is podcast time. You are listening to the Grid Girls. And today, we have another wonderful member of the extended Grid Girls community. You're all part of our Grid Girls community. Sorry, that's just how it is. We have Shannon Cole sports writer and nhra expert that's what we're calling you you are here and you're going to tell us all about this stuff that we've become super interested in but i'm going to admit i know nothing about other than getting from a to b really fast (laughs) that is the basics of it and uh that's really all you need to know when the light turns green you You go go real fast that's all all really fast look i have to admit most of my hot rod knowledge comes from watching the Erica Enders Disney movie earlier this year. So I like to feel I have like a passing understanding of lights go green go. Um, But that's about it. It's very Disney centric. uh, (laughs) Junior girl. (laughs) Cool. Well, I could definitely explain some stuff. Um, The NHRA, the National Hot Rod Association, was founded in 1966 by a Californian, I think he's Californian, uh, named Wally Parks. And now, to this day, when you win an event at an NHRA-sanctioned event, you get a statue of Wally holding That's a tire. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's called a Wally. So instead of getting a trophy, everyone get wants a Wally. So when they, you know, do the, the pre-race I, interviews, I actually they... think. I think the Disney movie, she gets one of these at the end of it. She wins, like, a national championship, and they give her a... Because I remember seeing that. They're being like, well, that's an interesting way to go about trophies. Yeah, a guy with a tire. you definitely can't drink from that. <laughs> yeah, so... I like that. That's that's cool. It is, and it's the same trophy from the top down. So even when you're, like, a local doing sportsman stuff on the weekends, you receive the same trophy that the professionals receive. So it's... It's like getting your own Stanley Cup. That's super awesome. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to, let's launch right into this, actually. Um, You know, no really serious intro today. We're going to go right into women in motorsports because the NHRA is actually, like, super good at this. Way better than, say, F1. Better than even IndyCar, where, like, we've had three or four women racing in a season at the same time. Um, It's pretty incredible. Absolutely. Better than literally any motorsport going around. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, with one exception, I mean, I don't know if you guys count motorcycles or uh, motocross as motorsport. We, we t- Girls we are tend, tearing it up in motorcycles. We tend to stick to four wheels here, but I, yeah, I know, like, um, is it Anna Beatrice is in uh, motorcycles? Mm-hmm. Anna, yeah, there's the girl who races yeah, Moto3. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, uh, we only kind of vaguely know about that on here, too. But, um, yeah, in terms of four-wheel race cars... And our awesome, awesome, the awesome girl in Malaysia who is the badass hijab wearing yes. motorcycle champion. <gasps> oh, I want to be yeah, friends with her. she seems really, really excellent. I know, we do too. <laughs> we should get her to yeah. hang out with us. <laughs> Absolutely. That would be amazing. Yeah, but yeah, we, we mostly stick to four wheels on here. And in terms of that, I think NHRA is probably the best venue in terms of women in motorsport from kind of the top down. Totally. So, absolutely. It all started uh, in the 60s, late 60s. There was a driver named Shirley Muldowney, who was the first woman to receive an NHRA driver's license. Um, 
the basics of the sport come from hot rodding in Southern California, hot rod culture. So souping up your car, getting it to go fast. And it's kind of very similar to how NASCAR got started, which was rum running. And it was souping up cars to get, uh, you know, alcohol distributed down south. So here there's not a lot of alcohol to I'm distribute. Sorry, right, right. Is that how NASCAR yes. got started? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, this is the most American thing I've ever heard. How did you not know this? NASCAR oh wouldn't yeah. exist without yep. prohibition. Well, because I have no concept of NASCAR. Like, I don't really I follow NASCAR. I mean, I don't NASCAR. either, but I knew that. Like, so basically, so, so wait, you also grew up in that's America, true, Sarah. <laughs> so basically, like, the car from the Dukes of Hazard is like an early NASCAR concept. That would be kind of middle of without the road. The, without the, like, without the Confederate flag painted <laughs> on the roof. Actually, no, probably with the Confederate flag yeah, painted on the roof. they used to run a race called the Southern 500, and the logo for the race was the Confederate flag. Of That's course classic. it was. Of course it was Southern <gasps> <Wait>. America. <gasps> you guys. Jeez. <laughs> I'm so sorry. David David Backus what? just scored his first goal as a Bruin. Oh, oh. No, 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 no. This is, this is. Puppies. This, this is a motorsports car. Oh, God. Punching faces. I'm okay, sorry. Sarah. Is, I have so many feelings right now. You can leave Inglourious, this in. Um, I am simultaneously Bacchus. trying to do this oh, podcast I am leaving this in. Game. The first Bruins game of the season. We're losing. It's terrible. It's expected. But uh, yeah, good times. Anyways, race cars. Confederate 500. Don't ever do that. Can we Can we not? Can <laughs> no. We just not? I think now it's called um, Bank of, it's a Bank of America 500 or? Where is it? Oh God, no! Oh, okay. Charlotte. So, it could be oh. Bank of America. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, but out here in California, we go straight, just yes. straight. So basically, I'm imagining yeah. like uh, the Fast and the Furious, like those sorts of races where you go for like a half a mile or a quarter mile, because he lives his life a quarter yeah, mile at a quarter. time, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the the little kids do an eighth of a mile though. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I don't know how long a mile is. I don't know how long a mile is. (laughs) You know what? That sounds like a you problem. It's like Um, one point something kilometers. No, no, no. This sounds like an America problem because y'all keep insisting that a mile is a smart form of. No, it's not. But we're still gonna use it. I don't give a fuck. Uh, and also all of the it's not but we're stuck cars, with it so we're just gonna all of the ride it stuff out. that happens down here except like the texas 600 is all measured in in miles so you know what yeah deal with it <laughs> so so shannon you you may not you may not have heard this on one of I, I don't know how much you've listened to us before but we had a great incident around about the indy 500 where it didn't compute to me that 500 <laughs> yeah, meant yeah. 500 miles. Because just as the race starts, or like maybe like an hour beforehand, I've texted Sarah in, I think, all caps lock, and it just reads, what do you mean this goes for three it's and a half hours? It's 500 fucking miles, Sasky. Yeah. That's NASCAR yeah, every Saturday, that, every Sunday. That, that hadn't computed to me. I had gone into it thinking... Okay, if the race starts at 1, it's going to be like 90 minutes because that's like what an F1 race typically is. 90 minutes um, and then uh, I can get an Uber to the rink and I can be there in time for the Marley's game starting. Oh, because they were in the like finals or whatever, right? So three and a half. 
They were playing Hershey in yeah. game five, right? Or game four or something like that. And I was like, okay. And then I found out it's a three and a half hour race. It's like, fuck it. I better stay and watch the whole race. And you know what? I'm glad I did because I got to witness the text joy that was Sarah absolutely like Alex Rossi crosses the line and I think I just started laughing and I didn't stop laughing <laughs> um, for like a good 45 minutes. Because Sarah is like on text messages to me losing her mind. But I missed this hockey game. And the one fucking Australian that plays professional hockey scored the game winning and series winning goal. And I was just like... Well, you know what? This is why you can't have nope, nice things can't. at the same time. Nope. I looked it up, though. It's uh, a quarter mile <laughs> is 402.336 meters. So I thought you were about to say feet. And I was like, uh, I don't know so what four, that means. Four tenths, by three. four tenths of a kilometer. A little less than half a kilometer. Sure. Four tenths. Four, yeah. Journalism major. Me I don't do math. Half. It's okay. fine. <laughs> yeah, me either. Oh, my God. I just screwed I should know because I have a converter on my phone for this purpose. I do too. I literally have this app just for converting so that I can understand how hot things are or how and far how bad the, is. the British pound is tanking yeah. against 425 the dollar. Four hundred twenty-five Fahrenheit. I'm like, what is that? Um, I actually just scrolled back to find these text messages. <laughs> um, the Indy 500 goes for three and a half fucking hours. Then me, Sasky, it's five hundred miles. That's a long ass way. And then her going, miles are stupid. They make no sense. Why can't you be like the rest of the world for once, America? And then I literally just texted her some American flag emojis, which you can't see. There they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also a bald eagle gift. Look at that. I love the thing. America's like, oh, no, no, but, but read the next one. <laughs> Look, theoretically, I know it's 500 miles, but I was totally like, well, it's like F1. It'll be two hours. And then I just bald eagle gift. Uh, and then... <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy for you. I'm literally crying for you in America. And then this is your 943 Sarah Connor's wellness check. And I was just like, I'm good. We went for burgers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she I literally managed. disappeared she off the She literally disappeared, because... right? And I was like, I better check to make sure Died. she hasn't, like, like A, she's fine, or B, that she's very <laughs> drunk with Alex no, Ross. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, I was... I was kind of like, please be the second one, but at least she's like, we've got both. Like, okay, we got real drunk okay. with Connor Daly, not Alexander Rossi. That was a good time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I went, I went like off the grid for like an hour because we literally like booked it from our seats to like the pit exit area so I could put my flag over the thing, and then a lot of <laughs> garbage happened, which was great. I mm. love I love Sarah that we managed to make a podcast that has nothing to do with Alex Rossi. Oh! Alex yeah, Rossi. I've got I've got more about Alex Rossi. I used so, to vacation so where he's me, from. Every time you get up me for mentioning Mark <laughs> Webber, who I get to talk about with legitimate reasons today, I'm just gonna be like, oh, excuse you me, you know what? Uh, though? Alex Rossi. <laughs> My okay, whatever. Yeah. No, no, wait, no, no, it's no, fine. no. Back to NHRA. <laughs> This is the third podcast in a row we had the same conversation. This is going to keep happening. Um, there are lots of ladies in NHRA. Please tell us about them. Yes. Shirley Mildani. So, Shirley uh, was my first actual hero. And my second hero was this woman named Angel Sampe, Angel Savoie. She's had a couple of different last names. And I know we're a four-wheel 
podcast, so I do have to point out that the roll bar on Angel Sampe's motorcycle has two wheels. So technically, she's got four mm-hmm. wheels on. Um, she uh, was one of the first women to win the, or she was the first woman to win the pro stock motorcycle or pro stock bike. It used to be called uh, division of the NHRA, and today there are. I think five women competing in that event alone. Melissa Serber, Angie Smith, Angie Sam, or Angel Sampe, uh, Valerie Thompson, who set a land speed record on a motorcycle, also competes in it. And these are the fastest vehicles on earth in the first 10 feet. The amount of horsepower they have, the amount of traction they can get, they just fly. They're like rockets. Um, in addition to them, there's the Force Sisters. And have you guys heard of John Force? Yeah, obviously. Uh, Graham Rahal yeah. is married to his daughter. This yeah. is, see, the force, exactly. Uh, I this, interviewed. The four sisters are like the only oh, yeah. part we no, know I've, about. I've met Courtney Force a couple times. Like we know She's the four cool. sisters. She is. Uh, I talked to her about Graham and asked her like how how hard is it to do your own race and be you know an athlete and be on the top of your game while knowing that the person that you love most in the world is doing the exact same thing halfway across the world and you can't be with him. You can't support him. She can't get support from him. So she said that she likes to just sit in the pits and pretend that she doesn't know what's going on because ignorance is bliss. She doesn't have to worry. <laughs> That's fair. I'd actually, I'd love yeah, the, to hear the... his perspective on the same thing. Yeah. And I think he might be a little more scared because she goes 300 miles an hour in in six yeah, seconds exactly. and that's frightening i don't i don't like it when my boyfriend yeah. speeds <laughs> that's, that's yeah that's so much yeah the, the four sisters are i think the biggest driving force pun not intended uh <laughs> behind the draw of women towards motorsports and there's Brittany, courtney and ashley force all three of them have competed in funny car top fuel dragster uh, and their mom, when their daughters, uh, when John and, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember her name, their mom's name. I'm so sorry. Uh, when, when the daughters expressed interest in joining the NHRA and in, in joining dad's family business, she decided to get her NHRA driver's license too, to see like, okay, do I want my kids That's to awesome. do this? So I think they're the only family that That's all really cool. five of the immediate family members have NHRA driving licenses. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, and you guys—that's very cool. You guys mentioned that you're—they're like the only ones that you you know of from NHRA, and that's that's basically it for a lot of people. They're they're pretty marketable. Oh, no, I know Alexis Alexis yeah. Dejour. Yes, Anders. Alexis Dejour. Yes, and Erica. Um, Alexis actually got hurt at the last race that I went to. Her her engine blew. Something happened. There was a big concussion. She went into the wall. And she climbed out of the top of the car of her own volition, but then went to the hospital and found out she had like a fractured pelvis, something so gnarly. Oh my god, that's gross! (laughs) And I was like, this, this. When she got out, she just just said, "Women, women." I mean, that's true. Yes, but like, (laughs) if you have a fractured pelvis, like I would be dying. I'd be like on the floor. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) She just looked pissed that she couldn't finish her weekend. there's going to be a certain amount of adrenaline that kind of in that moment, you're like, ah, yep, yep, yep. Holy hell, I can actually, yep, that, that, that's, that's damaged. Yeah. Uh, it could also be tequila, but I mean, not that she was drinking. Her, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> her dad invented, her not invented, but her dad, like, her dad makes Patron. Oh, that's Patron. awesome. 
he got sick of yeah. having bad hangovers, so he contacted some friends in Mexico and was like, I want the best. Let's get it. So that's why we have Patron. And that's why my dad drinks it almost exclusively. <laughs> that's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yeah. And Patron, Patron sponsored not only NHRA, they're also involved in IMSA and mm-hmm. quite a few mm-hmm. sport, motorsports series. They have quite a, a considerable presence in motorsports across the country. Yeah, and I think because the DeJoria family is so deeply involved with the brand, that if more women were to come up in those rank or come up in the ranks in those uh, divisions of racing, I think sponsorship opportunities would be there. I think that they would be able to get a full time ride. I would hope so because, like, we're tearing right. it up. Alexis kicks See, ass. That's, that's pretty amazing <laughs> that that sort of situation exists, like for a whole, you know, segment of motorsports. Um, it would be mm-hmm. really cool to see that happen in, like, you know, some other sports car championship, or even, you know, God forbid it happen in F one. But you know, oh, a woman. Can I, can I ask? <laughs> Can I ask, based on that, though, so we obviously have the Force sisters who are kind of under the Force umbrella, mm-hmm. are they? Or are they kind of, yep. And then so you have Dejora, whose main sponsorship comes through Patron, which is a family business. Correct. Are there any other female drivers at the moment who are participating who kind of don't fall under that kind of family banner? Yeah, I would say uh, almost all of the rest of them. Um Leah Pritchett is from yep. Southern California. She's she's freaking brilliant. Like if she wasn't racing, she'd be running the world. She has a a great business mind, incredible business acumen. She knows how to promote and like just she's so smart. Like when I was talking to her, I was like, "Oh my god, do my taxes, please." Um she is with <laughs> she's with Don Schumacher Racing, which is a huge name in the sport. And she got this opportunity to work for the Sarge, as his nickname, the Sarge, used to drive the U.S. Army car. Um, She got the opportunity because she just showed what she was worth on the track. She was putting up good numbers, chopping down the tree. Chopping down the tree is a a good way to say uh, really quick off the starting line. So the the actual device that stands at the front of the drag strip looks like a T, and it has lights that come up a column. And there's two sets for each uh, driver. So there's staging lights, kind of similar to the way the lights come on in F1. And then the green comes on and you go. And it's called a Christmas tree because it lights up red and green. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's uh, cool. I like that. It's it's actually, my family doesn't celebrate Christmas. So it's the only Christmas tree I've ever known. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like that even more. Yeah, I thought about getting my dad one because last Christmas I called him and was like, you know, I'm so grateful that we didn't do any holiday BS, no decorating or anything, but I think it would be kind of cool to have a Christmas tree that we put like one ornament on. Just one of those with like one little, like, one little ball, the family maybe a little star like, on top. That's it. <laughs> you know, like, car. My family color coordinates our Christmas tree every year with the decorations, but but it's all like... My mom is big on having Christmas trees that look like she robbed it from a magazine. <laughs> which, you know what? Isn't terrible. But people are like, oh my god, here's our family Christmas decorations. I'm like, we don't have those because they don't coordinate. Oh, no. I think my mother just needs more of a job. <laughs> I mean, I want her to tweet all the time. Does she have a Twitter? Oh, she no. does. Yeah. My mother? Oh my God, Sassy! Send me your mom's yeah. Twitter like short, um, after this podcast. I want to. I want to follow this. 
it's technically like my dad's Twitter that my dad uses to follow comedians, but turns out my mum has found out how to use it, and she basically uses it to uh, reinforce people's messages every time they tell me that I'm a good person. My mum interjects into the conversation, is like, see, I tell her this all the time, and I'm like, thanks, mum! <laughs> or my mum being like, who's that boy? Who's that boy in your photo? It's Jeffler. Like, oh, it's always Jeffler. Mum. <laughs> your mum is your I fact like, checker. just... Oh, my my mom is the best person I know, but sometimes I'm like, can you just not get on Twitter because it will crush what you think of the world. <laughs> that She's got and this me. great spirit, and I don't want that to be killed by Twitter. Oh, my God, she's glorious. I wish she had one when she used to work at the sex store because that would have been hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. Because it would have been like, this is what happened today. Because those were some fucking funny I stories. imagine in Australian anyway, sex back stores are kind of crazy. And not my mother. <laughs> Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Instead of making things out of like, like out of like horse hair, like kangaroos, kangaroo leather, that kind of stuff. That's illegal in California. Kangaroos now. are a pest. They are, and that's why I, I have no problem with kangaroo leather gloves. Even though I'm vegan, like it's important to wear gloves if you're on a motorcycle. And now you can't buy kangaroo leather gloves in California. Wow, seriously? Because. I mean, where do they yeah, think they're coming we, from? Oh, we have a law about Any everything. Particular... Like, <laughs> it's like deer skin stuff. Oh, no, no, people have, like, kangaroo farms. Yeah, we have some yeah. here. We have wallaby farms. Kangaroos are a massive pest. And and the thing is, most of the kangaroo skins come from, like, the places where they breed the kangaroos. Oh, wow. So, so you're using the whole kangaroo. Yeah. That's good. No problem. I have See, no issue with this that. Is, yeah, this yeah, is how yeah, I feel yeah. about deer um, out east here. Because, like, in Pennsylvania, Ohio, like, those states... Um, deer are a massive, massive problem. Like, they are, they are a pest. They're a menace. Um, people hit more, more deer, more kangaroos, more deer in Pennsylvania. Like, I think a map was made and, like, it was from green to red, like, how many deer are hit in every state. And, uh, Pennsylvania was, like, the darkest red possible. Um, during April and May. Speaking of hitting things, did you see, did you see what happened in Canada today? A guy in Newfoundland hit a moose while slowing down to see what happened to another car. They were car probably that mates. He was probably like the one dude hit the lady moose and he hit the dude moose. Like, what the hell? Um, Apparently, there was also three other moose incidents at the same that's time. That's like I'm peak like, Newfoundland. I don't even know. Serious. Um, but yeah, deer are terrible. Um, when I was driving to Indianapolis, like it was May, so it's mating season, which is also hunting season. Because if you don't thin out these deer populations, like, it's too much. And, I mean, people use the deer for everything. They use it for meat. They use it for the skin. You know, why not? Why the heck not? Why not? <clears throat> Solves a lot of problems and you get a lot of useful stuff out of it. So. And cool antler yeah, yeah, things. Yeah. And kangaroo is we also have, delicious. Um, we don't have deer antlers at my parents' house, but we have antelope antlers, which are, like, basically the deer of Wyoming, which is where my aunt and uncle live. Yeah. I didn't know antelope were real until I saw one. I thought they were a joke. I'd seen I'm pictures, sorry. but I didn't know. No, they are. They they really are. Like, I went to. There are not a lot of people in Wyoming, but the few people that live there, like, there are way more antelope than people. So, <laughs> I went to South Africa earlier this year, and the amount of weird animals they have that are basically like deer with different fucking horns on them <laughs> is amazing. And there's, like, the, like, this is a such and such, and this is a that. I'm, like, they look the same. Like, no, the horns are different. Oh, sure. Like, there is, like, 
there's like 15 different animals with horns that are all slightly different and some of them hop and they're like it looks like a baby deer because it's only like knee high but it still has <coughs> horns what or like antelope it's, it's amazing and they're, 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 they're good. I don't know. I can't remember what it's called, but it was so cute because it hopped. Just Google tiny hopping deer thing. It was, it was, it was next to the, uh, it was next to the baby, uh, baby hippo. That's, a, that's adorable. You think you've seen cute. Wait till you've seen a baby pygmy hippo that has like moss on it because it's been Aww. rolling around. So good. Okay, we have got totally <laughs> off track. I don't even know what track we were on to have ended up on this track. But hey, as we say, uh, F1 is serious and we are not. So if you came here for some sensible talk, you would have been disappointed about I'd 31 say thir- episodes ago, 32. I would say. This is episode 33. So 32 episodes? Yeah. Okay. I thought we were on 32 there. So well, maybe there was one. Maybe like the... No, there wasn't really was someone there. someone in our little so we're recording this live one? and people are watching it and someone says 15 miles from the Pennsylvania border can confirm deer are pests. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Can confirm. Yep. Annoying. Yep. I don't know. I've never seen You're a good. Deer. You don't want to. I'm pretty sure like most cars Oh, yeah. oh dear. <laughs> it's thanks, still my thanks, favorite F1 Juan Pablo <laughs> Montoya. On oh dear. <laughs> I saw two deer yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I like I can send you some. <laughs> I live Oh my god, I saw two raccoons yesterday because <gasps> oh one my of god, them in my house. <laughs> I have those I two. I opened the door and I was like, there's one on the step and one like oh running into my house. And I like called Brody who lives upstairs to me and was like Brody, there is a raccoon in my house and one in the back stairwell and you need to come and deal with them. And he's like, I'm right there. And so he comes out with a broom and a torch and, like, gets rid of them. And I was like, I like to think I'm a big, strong woman. And then some raccoons came and I was like, fuck this noise. That's what upstairs for. I've got some raccoons that chill in my backyard and I name them after hockey players from Toronto because Toronto has a ton of raccoons too. So the two that come the most oh, are yeah, Stephen Stamkos yeah. well, and Piquet Subban. So. Yeah, you could send me some more squirrels for Stephen and Piquet to hang out with. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to start naming my raccoon. I'm going to call the first one Anze. Yeah. He talks like a raccoon. It's perfect. As, as, as he's known, praise be raccoon Jesus. Raccoon zombie Jesus, because he also <laughs> looks like the undead. Ah, uh, no. A staff member of the a staff member of the LA Kings literally called him a, a raccoon Jesus to me once. My God! Like, and, and then spelled it out spelled it out in emojis. It was amazing. Anyway. So, to TLDR, our whole conversation, the NHRA is amazing. And do it we have anything else to add to this this segment? I feel like uh, I would add well, that in, wi- in women. No, no, no. I mean the the NHRA <laughs> segment. Yeah. I think for a lot of the, a lot of the reason for women being in the NHRA besides representation, besides seeing somebody who looks like them on television doing the sport is the junior dragster program. And this sounds crazy. The first time my boyfriend saw it, he was like, are they seriously going to do this? They have these half, or I think they're yeah, eighth size dragsters. They're only about six feet long, but they go 70 miles an hour on an eighth mile, which is 201.15, <laughs> if I <laughs> remember correctly. It's a quarter of a kilometer. Yeah. 
They're living their yeah, life a quarter in... of a kilometer at a time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And 70 miles an hour tops. Um, it's a really cool program. Any kid can join. I think the minimum age is something like 10, maybe seven. It's really, really low. So uh, when it's offered to everybody at the same time, girls will accept it just as much as boys. So Leah Pritchett says racing in the NHRA is not unlike racing in junior dragsters, which she grew up doing because she was racing against the boys there. There's no girls division. We race against everybody else because it's doesn't matter if you can go when the light turns green you can race it doesn't matter what gender you think you are yeah it's amazing that is that is seriously amazing um i love i honestly like love the fact too that like that is what we want uh you know women have been present in this sport like we need to talk a little bit more about shirley Muldowney too because like her career is unbelievable like yeah obviously there have been women in motorsports in other categories like i know in f1 Women started races in the 60s and 70s, but they never either finished or finished higher than, you know, into the points or anything. Shirley Madani won championships. Like, she was right Mm -hmm. up there with the men doing awesome stuff. I think she was the first three-time champion in any division in NHRA. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. People, when she first started out, would sabotage her car. They'd sabotage her crew. They'd take her tools. They'd mess with her equipment. They'd mess with the car. And she persevered through all of it. She's such a badass. Um, she w- is the reason that Melanie Troxel raced in the 90s, that um, the Force Girls are here today, because she proved to all the guys of the division or in, in the NHRA that we could do exactly what they can do. And there's, I, I said to, to somebody, it's, it's not like they make us run with pink tires. You know, you can't tell who's male and who's female out there. It all comes down to your talent. And she was incredibly freaking talented. One of the things that you need, really, really need in the NHRA is fearlessness. Um, When you think about it, you're strapped into a rocket, basically. And it's just you. And you're relying on the calculations of your pit crew and your engineering team to not kill you. Um, And and in the event that something does go awry, there's there's just a drag chute to save you. So... Yeah, that's not... <laughs> you're relying on metal and fabric. Um, the the fearlessness that it takes to get out there and, and to hear people call you names and hear people dismiss your abilities and your talents just because of your gender um, surely showed all of us how to just ignore it and get over it. And I'm super grateful that when I was a kid, when I would go to the drag strip, I got to see Shirley race once in Sonoma. And I think it was in the AHRA, the American Hot Rod Association. I remember walking into the track and seeing, you know, track girls, you know, like yeah, the... the Sonoma Raceway has. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> yeah, we know what you made. <laughs> yeah. So I remember seeing them and my dad going, you don't have to do that. If you don't want to do that, you don't have to do that. You don't have to show your body to be something special. Look at Shirley. Look at all the other girls out here. You know, they can do just as well as the boys because it doesn't matter in this sport. And that's through and through been my favorite thing about the sport my whole life. And her example and seeing her go into the ranks with all the guys and kick their asses really, really carries me through the rest of my life. Like when you're sitting in a press box and it's elbow to elbow with a bunch of dudes, I just feel like I'm Shirley. And I'm like, as long as they don't sabotage my computer, I got this. Which sucks a little bit, honestly, but 
you know. I I was actually just flicking through her her Wikipedia page, and the the best thing I saw is they're talking. Well, two of the great things that I've just seen on this is she talks about uh, that they used to compete in match races, and she used to race under the name the Bounty Huntress. Yes, surely the Bounty and Huntress. I love that. I think. <laughs> I think that is so good. Like, that is, that makes me laugh. But the other thing was, there's this really great quote there. A uh, guy called, who who you probably know the name of, I, I obviously as someone who doesn't know NHRA, I don't. Uh, Don. Oh, Gons yes. Has said, it reads, if you ask, if you ask who I have the most respect for, it's Shirley, Shirley Maldoni. She went against all the odds. They didn't want her to race, topped all the associations, the races, nobody did, just Shirley. And, like, you know, like, we talk about all these things and how much paving... Having someone who's paved the way makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And Sarah and I talk about this, particularly in F1, about even even just the little bit that Susie Wolf got and what that, that leads to in the next step. And you can see how important actually having someone who has done it, who has shown the way, who can show young girls yeah. that they can do it, what that means when it goes into increasing those numbers so she's about us and i hope that we get someone like her in f1 in even indycar more mm-hmm. so than we had had like sarah fisher is a little very similar in that way she came in and she raced and she did you know a lot of those things as the first and so i, I mean and sarah fisher wasn't even the first in indycar like we had janet guthrie in the 70s we had Lindsay no, james no. in the 90s like mm-hmm. all that stuff and i think i was gonna say that it's almost like you see degrees. It's from, like, the NR- NHRA being the most, like, equal, down to the sliding scale of F1 being the worst, with IndyCar kind of being in the middle, NASCAR is kind of in the middle there, too. Sports car racing and, is in the middle, too. Yep. Obviously, we saw Christina Nielsen win, you know, the first championship for a woman in um, in IMSA, you know, the couple weeks ago, which was really great. Lindsay. Lynn St. James actually does some really great stuff nowadays. She's a big partner with the Women's mm-hmm. Sports Foundation. And they have a program, I believe, that's called the Winner's Circle. And it's specifically for mentoring fem- up-and-coming female racers in open-wheel, sports car, a lot of yeah, those Yeah, she actually of she awesome. did a book signing at Watkins Glen when I was there, and I'm so mad we didn't get to go. But, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Janet mm-hmm. Guthrie. She, I believe, is the first female to finish the Daytona 500. Um, she used to race in NASCAR for a little oh, bit too. Awesome. Yeah, I was. I, I yeah. again don't know a whole lot of about women in NASCAR beyond like Dan- <laughs> beyond Danica Patrick, obviously, because yeah. Danica Patrick was all over. She's she's speaking. <laughs> Danica's done a That's ton for women in the women, sport yeah, no, too. She definitely has. I mean, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, sorry. <laughs> Speaking of women racing, uh, the Bathurst 1000 was this weekend in Australia, and we saw once again the return of the Harvey Norman Simona. So we saw Simona Di Silvestre, we saw Simona Di Silvestre and Renee Gracie uh, hit the mountain. This year they finished every lap. I believe they finished on maybe the lead lap or the they second were 14th, lap back, I believe, but right? like. Got there. They finished 14th, yeah, out of, I believe, 30 starters. It's not bad, considering that last year they crashed out. Yeah. 
Hey, getting to the end, of, getting to the end of Bathurst yeah, is a thousand, big achievement. That is an incredible course. That's my favorite course in Forza to like challenge myself because oh. I can't make that left turn. <laughs> I'll just Bathurst is uh, Mount Panorama is like Australia is not a religious country too much, but Mount Panorama is one of is, is like. Where the bogans of Australia come to worship. <laughs> That's a good thing to have. And I say that as someone that will... Be, I, hey, I'm all for that. I am peak bogan. I'll be like, I'm there. I will bring my esky and my tent and my chair. I will sink a few tinnies and watch them. Watch I only them. understood like Me four too. of those it's words. It's happened all the time. <laughs> yeah, I know. I went to... I went to I went to peak Australia mode there, but hey. Did. You tapped into the core of core of it your being it's, it's all fun oh yeah um yeah. but yeah, yeah no it's awesome i mean i wish Sorry. simona were back over here doing things that i could actually watch uh i can't do endurance racing because yeah. i just have no attention span so yeah it's fine well on the plus side bathurst is the only endurance race in the v8 calendar which simona is contesting yeah. all of next year your standard v8 race is about that hour oh, and a half bad. two hour okay. kind of uh Cool. Yeah. Hey, I have a question for you guys, ladies. Most Sorry. of them are two fifty so. Ks, I think. Do you guys think... is a collective term? I know. I feel that way about dude. <laughs> Me too. I'm Me from too. California. My pr- my pronoun is bruh. dude. Yeah. My pronoun is bruh. bruh. Mate. My my bruh. pronoun bruh. is mate. What's up? <laughs> mate. Uh, so, I think because women have been involved in American motorsport for quite some time since the '60s. Um, do you think that with F1 becoming held by an American company that more opportunities for women are going to surface? I think the answer is without Bernie. The answer with is with Bernie Eccleston at the front of it. Good luck. We just yeah. need to no, wait till he does. Yeah. Nothing changes with Bernie Eccleston. Nothing major will change as long as Bernie Eccleston is still the person holding the yeah. reins. I'm hoping that you know who i can't remember the name of the company that holds it now but whoever it is i hope someone on their board is like listen you need to start with putting females on the broadcast because nbc sports which has the f1 contract in america has no women on their broadcast and i'm like hey I, you employ me i could do this sky does not have any women oh no sky has sky has female anchors like sky has women Nope. Women only do pit lane and the press yeah. Oh, yeah. I do see a lot of women in the press Occasionally, they have an anchor. Occasionally, they let... Uh, you'll see Lee McKenzie or someone else. Uh, Channel 4 has Susie Wolf, I think, and Lee McKenzie. There's that. Australia, I know their broadcasts don't have any... Um, a few of the Europeans do, but they're generally I think Germany only... and France both do. Women don't provide, and this is the same thing, and this is the beef I have in all the time in every sport. Women ask questions and wait for answers. Women do not discuss, women do not provide analysis, women do not host in a lot of these things. Women stand on a sideline or in a press scrum and ask questions. And they don't get to analyze. Yeah, For the only box. the only exception to this, and this is outside of F one again, but it's still like a very visible like front facing woman in sports, is NBC on the IndyCar broadcasts has um, Katie Hargett, so she'll do a lot of pit lane stuff, but they'll cut to her in the pit lane, 
to give quick analysis of, you know, what's going on to report on what's happening. Um, so I think in that aspect, that's cool because they don't do that during the F1 broadcast because with the world feed, they don't control who cuts to where or like what people see. With IndyCar, NBC controls all the cameras and everything so they can cut to Katie Hargett whenever the heck they want, which is nice. So Same for NASCAR and NHRA right, right. too. No one... um, they've got tons. I think NASCAR has Caitlin Vinci, Chris Devota, Shannon Spake used to do it. And uh, NHRA's primary primary person on the ground at races is a girl called Amanda Busick, who's awesome. Um, and she actually gets to do a little bit more in-depth stuff and be like, so what is your strategy? How is this going to affect everything? You know, like she gets a little bit deeper than most do, but I think it's still not enough. Yeah. We should be in the broadcast booth. Yeah, of we course. Sh- of we course. should be doing a lot more. And you know, I, there you hear all the complaints men. about, oh, I wouldn't want to hear a woman's voice in the broadcast because it just doesn't sound right. You know what? It only doesn't sound right because you've been listening to men your whole life. Sometimes change is good. You'll yeah, get over yeah. it. You'll adjust. You can have your, like, whiny man baby tears, and then you'll get over yeah. it. Yeah. I I have this habit where I just block old-sounding white dudes out, so it's really, really hard for me to watch an yeah. F1 broadcast and actually hear anything. Like, that's fair. <laughs> to, be f- to be fair, the, yeah, the guys yeah. who are on NBC's F1 broadcast are pretty decent, although they're all not American. So that, mm-hmm. that's my other problem with NBC. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not that that's a bad thing or anything, but it's just that when they had when they had Townsend oh, Bell in to replace Will Boxton, I was just like, holy crap, there's an American voice on this broadcast. I'm like half asleep because it's 3 a.m. Like, what is happening right now? Am I hallucinating? <laughs> it was so jarring because they cut from Lee Diffie, who doesn't have an accent to me. Yeah. Like, he sounds like nothing to me, because obviously he sounds like I do. And and then they cut to Townsend Bell, and I was like, holy hell, what is this? <laughs> who is the guy that's... It's an American. Who's the guy that sounds like Len Goodman from Dancing with the Stars? Oh, that is... Oh, the geez, English guy? David, David Hobbs. Yeah. yeah, he looks okay, like Okay, he sounds too. exactly he like Len. like Len. When I started watching Dancing with the Stars, I was like, is that David Hobbs? Like, what am I looking at here? What is happening? <laughs> He totally sounds like him, like, especially when he was talking about Hinchcliffe, like, I was like, this sounds like uh, he's on the wrong yep. race. Yep. Speaking of Dancing with the Stars, how oh good was Hinch this way? Oh my god, he was so good. His, um... His... And I love how he's like, check out yeah. my skull. I was like, wow, thanks, I mean, I've been James. curious, <laughs> you know, I, I met him yeah. in Pocono, which was like three months <laughs> after the accident. And I didn't really have a concept of how bad it had been because I hadn't watched practice for the Indy 500. I just knew that suddenly, like, one of the dudes wasn't racing in it. And that's, I guess, it is what it is. Um, and he was fine. So, you know... The doctor! The doctor! I had to, he had to pump his blood, like, his full, like, set of blood into his body three times. Yeah, Whoa. apparently that was a thing. And I love how the doctor is like... So, so, uh, what was, uh, what was James's, like, what is the survival rate for someone who this happens to? And the doctor literally looks at the camera and goes, he, he should be dead. And you're just like, oh, okay, sweet. So, and then James Hitchcliffe's like, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. And I was like, I want to be as happy with life (laughs) as you are, James Hitchcliffe. Like, I used to be, I used to be him. I just want to dance as well as he does. Both of my grandparents were ballroom dancers. Oh, my God. And he's legit good. Like, I want to call my grandma and be like, 
how do you feel about him? Like, can you believe this business? Um, he's got like, I think that ballroom is just joy. Like it's just different expressions of joy. And every time he gets out there, that's what he brings. It's so much joy. He's, he's just like, and that's the thing, like, it was really funny because you expected, like, going into this season of Dancing with the Stars that Loi Hernandez was just going to, like, slaughter everybody, right? And she pretty much still is for a large portion of this. But Hinch has been, like, everyone is like, oh, my God, he's really good. But he's also so much fun to watch that people are like, I don't know anything about IndyCar and I want this Which guy to win. Which is why I think they keep trying to promote IndyCar through shows like this because they know that IndyCar has the personalities you know, to go on these national shows, like, they went on uh, Family Feud, and they were hilarious on there. You know, they, they Helio was oh, on Dancing with the Stars a couple years ago, Feud and everyone amazing. loved it. Like, people don't... Don't they own the, the broadcast but, rights yeah. to NBC? Uh, only yeah. half of them. NBC has the other half. Okay, so first half? Uh, no, they have the Indy 500, and they have, like, two other oval races, and then the rest of them are all on okay. NBC. We should put all the races See, on the ABC is, so they can all come down. Well, the, the ABC stars. broadcasts are terrible. NBC is great. But, <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing. I don't think, like, I mean, I think Hinch would be a great personality for Dancing with the Stars. I think Joseph Newgarden would be a great personality oh God, for Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> but I think some of the others wouldn't be quite, like, like they're great, but there's, their personality no, but that's might the point. not quite like, fit. They wanted, they wanted yeah. Marco Andretti, and I'm just like, it's it's a really good thing that they picked Hinch instead, because Marco is basically a wet paper towel. Did you guys see yeah, when Michael like, Waltrip super, did it, like though? Like, a super, pr- a super pretty paper towel. <laughs> But still. <laughs> Michael Waltrip was a, a used paper towel. Um, but again, Joy, he had so much fun. And it was so much fun to watch him just do something that made him look stupid. But with happiness and with I Joy. Love, I love I love Hinch's Australian because, like, she says stuff and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Or you sound like me. And I'm like, yes, this makes me happy. <laughs> but... Sarah, we have talked about women in motorsports, and we should probably make a brief attempt to talk about the other things that happened in F1, because our our podcast plan is a page and a half, and women in motorsport takes up two lines of it. And we are probably about 45 minutes into this show. So, let's talk about Japan. Japan You know what happened happened to Japan? We learnt the lesson Lewis Hamilton still did that No, something is going on with that, because that's fucking ridiculous. Oh my god! I thought... I thought it was Nico Rosberg for like a split second, and I was like, "No!" And they were like, "Nico, Nico has like, I was like shot oh, off wow, into the sweet, distance, okay. like no problem, <laughs> everything is great." Did you know they had to remanufacture Lewis's gloves to try to attempt to get him to start better? Like he's gonna start the U.S. Grand Prix with like better gloves. Uh, they're trying literally everything um, because he just can't. He can't start for some reason all of a sudden, even though he's been able to up until now. I know the the rules for the, you know, how much you can coach the driver on the start have changed, but it shouldn't be to this extent because, like, everyone else is doing fine. Shouldn't you know how to start your goddamn race car? car? Yeah. Apparently, there was also a wet line on his side of the racetrack, which uh, I think Daniel Ricciardo had a slight struggle with too, but, like, clearly not as much as Lewis did. 
Um, excuse me, you watch this start, and if you watch it from Lewis, this is my favorite part of it. If you watch it from the camera in Lewis's car, right, the lights go, and Lewis kind of goes, and, and then this goes, and then suddenly, like, he's there, and then you see there's some Ferraris, and then you see the Red Bulls, and then you Force see Indians, two yeah. fucking Force <laughs> Indians go past. Like, oh dear. And, and you're like... You're like, like, here's Lewis, and you see Nico Hulkenberg, who is in, like, seventh, just go out in front of... So, speaking of Nico Hulkenberg, who nearly, nearly ended up into, like... He nearly ended up crashing for a second race in a row, because he just about... Yeah, that was crazy. Nearly had... Uh, oh, my gosh. I was like, Jesus Christ. But, the yeah, you're watching from Lewis, and you're just like, yep, yep, two, three... Four, what? five, six, seven, four Cynthia's. Yeah, that was, you know, honestly, it was pretty good. You're like, wow, that was, a, and they were like, Lewis, Lewis Hamilton is in eighth. And I was like, oh, wow. So, okay. uh, honestly, Hulkenberg didn't enough. crash at the beginning, but the really amazing thing is that no one crashed in this whole race. No one had engine problems. No one had tires exploding. Like, no. The whole field finished this race for the first time in F1 since like the 60s. It was ridiculous. No, 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 no. It's happened twice this year, I think, or no, twice last year. It's only been like seven times since the 60s. I thought it was, I thought it was longer than that, but yeah, yeah. But still, like, no, no, 1963, I think, was the first time no one did it. And then there was like a 40-year gap. And then it was like 2003, 2006, and then twice last year. And you're like, but I was like, oh, so everyone finished. Oh. Huh. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I was like, like, I don't want people to crash, but I don't mind it when they, like, run over the front of each other's wings or take off someone's tyre or, like, someone's car just catches on fire. Like, I like watching people have to jump and run from their car as it flames and they're like, huh. Weirdly, there was more of that in the Formula E race yeah. than the Formula 1 race Which this Which we weekend. will get to because that was hilarious. Yeah. Um... So F1, you know, kind of the same old, same old. Uh, we had um, two Mercedes on the podium. Lewis fought back from eighth to third. Nico has a 33-point lead over him in the cha- in the Drivers' Championship. Uh, Mercedes secure their third Constructors' Championship in a row, which is just absurd. Can we get those 2017 rule changes, please, so that we can have a little more parity? Thank you. Well, but see, here's the, the funny thing. We're like, ugh. Mercedes won their third in a row. Uh, do you remember what happened before yeah, Mercedes started winning? Yeah, and I don't think... I think it's annoying. Red Bull won yeah. four in a row. By the, by the, <laughs> I'm all about Red Bull. Because that bit was like, oh, I'm so by sick. The I was like, You know, it's like, um... As much as I'm happy that you're doing all these things and you're doing real well, um... Can we have someone else, please? And then Mercedes came in and now they're on number three and I'm sure they'll get number four and... We're like we didn't we didn't we didn't mean it like that, like we didn't mean like one of you. How good is Red Bull right now, though? Uh, pretty decent actually. Uh, digging it. I I missed this. Sh- I wanted another shoe. Oh man. no, those are. Oh, I God, really someone did. Someone is gonna get. Some I think sort it's of hilarious. And I'm gonna laugh forever. <laughs> I love it though. I love how excited Dan gets when he wins. Yeah, me too. Uh, I was at his first ever win, actually, in Montreal. Oh, yeah, awesome. That was a good time. No one... That's one of my bucket list tracks. I fell asleep and missed it. 
I fell asleep and missed it, and that was so sad. It's a good track. It definitely is. Um, this year, it was a little too cold for my liking. I think Grand Prix weekend, it, like, maxed out at 62 degrees Fahrenheit, which is... 17C. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, a little chilly. 15C. I was like, I don't know. 15 degrees Celsius. 15 Celsius. It was... It was cold. It was... It was... Uh, yeah, was it was miserable. cold. Yeah. Um... But yeah, Montreal's awesome. Dan won there. It was fun. Um, yeah, Red Bull have kind of bounced back a little bit, which is nice to see. And again, I hope that with the 2017, you know, spec changes, maybe. And, you know, Renault seems to be putting all their eggs in one basket with their constructor team uh, or their um, their works team. So I'm thinking that maybe they've got something in mind for the engines next year and we'll have some sort of a fight. I am so ready to be team Renault next year with Nico Hulkenberg. Like, I am sign me the fuck up. Like, yes! I just, I want him to have nice things. And I don't know if he's gonna have nice things in a Renault. I know, because because here's the the thing though. My, my, My approach to the Renault and Nico Hulkenberg situation is I don't think he's ever going to win a race driving a Force India. But will he win one in a Renault? So Probably not. you either... There is a better chance, however. Like, like Force India are, like, at the peak of, like, what Force India can do, right? Force India are, like, overachieving at where they are right now. And they're not it's, going it's to It's not get... even so much that they're overachieving. It's that Williams are underachieving. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, Force India aren't going to be better than they currently are. They're not going to become Red Bull or Ferrari or Mercedes, right? So there is a better chance of Renault going somewhere than Force India going somewhere. And I don't know, I feel like Force India has basically become Team Checo Perez this year. So like if I'm Hulkenberg and Renault, you're like, you know what? I may as well take a chance because guess what? If I don't win a race in the end of this season or next season, I'm going to become the new leader for people in races, races started or races participated in who has still never won a race or a podium. <laughs> and that's not the kind of record you want. Not really. Like, a hundred... That's like Rosberg's record of is- starting the greatest amount of races and winning the greatest amount of races without ever winning a championship. Yes, well, Nico Rosberg currently holds the title for... Most wins without a championship, and he's third for most podiums without a champion. But most races without a win, the record is currently 130, and that that is held by dear friend of the podcast, Mark Webber. <laughs> because if no one, if anyone knows mediocrity for long periods of time, it's Australia. Okay, Sarah Connors, you need to tell me about Formula E because I fell asleep and um. It. Formula E was nonsense. Uh, it started at four in the morning Eastern time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because we're now in the part of the season where it's like no adjustment to me whatsoever. Yeah. I was like, I was like, maybe I'll take my sleeping pill after this race. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. It's just not good. Um, so the next dev car had the pole. Which is great because they hadn't done anything significant in season two after winning the championship in season one, Nelson Piquet Jr. Um, qualifying was a bit of a clusterfuck. Uh, Robin Frins crashed 
and the Super Bowl, which is like, you know how in IndyCar they do like the first round and then the round of 12 and then the round of six. In Formula E, they do, uh, they do it in groups. So they do the first four rounds, which is like everyone goes once. And then they do the Super Bowl, which is the top six, uh, do like a shootout for the pole. That got canceled because uh, they just didn't have time. Um, it was from like noon to one Hong Kong time and then the race was at four. So like there just wouldn't have been enough time to kind of get everything together. Um, so that got canceled. Uh, PK had the pole. Um, there were some rookies that did really well in qualifying that just didn't do super well in the race. Um, uh, Jose Maria Lopez being one of them. Felix Rosenquist was another one. They qualified pretty high up the grid. Um, Sebastian Buemi won from, like, eighth, which, uh, for one thing, like, it took until the end of the race for everything to cycle through so that the midfield were at the front. Like, the yellow flags and everything that happened throughout the race just really benefited people that were running a little bit further back and who were saving their battery a little bit. Um, for example, Nick Heidfeld ended up on the podium. He conserved his battery super well, ended up in third after starting 10th. Um, the Andretti cars ended up fifth and sixth, which is pretty amazing. Uh, their improvement over last year is amazing. Uh, they were consistently, you know, running that season one engine, finishing outside the points. It was super annoying as an Andretti fan. Like, I'm glad they're, they're bouncing back. Like, that's great. Uh... Shane, you watched it too, right? What, what were your thoughts? Yes. Um, it seemed like, I don't know, the cars all seemed squirrely to me, but it's just after yeah. watching F1. No, that's true. The back ends of those cars, like, slide so yeah. much. And that one turn. I have a friend who. That one turn where, uh, I don't remember who it was, went into the corner, and I think PK got in the back of him. I was like, that isn't even, like, a real turn. Like, that's not even wide enough for the cars. The track itself, I, I'm not super familiar with it because it's not in Forza 6 and it's not on the NASCAR circuit. So every time I see it, I'm like, what What? What are you? And that it's one turn. It's Hong Kong street circuit. I mean, most of the tracks in Formula E, are they on Forza? I don't know because uh, Formula E runs street races, right? Yeah. The only there's only like three I think Hong or uh, Rio what are the oh sorry my boyfriend has headphones on he's playing a different <laughs> video game right uh, now I was gonna ask him Long Beach um, was one of them for a yeah while. oh yeah Long Beach um, I'm trying yeah. to think like Mexico City was one as well so that was in Formula One um, and then oh Coda they don't oh they do don't do E at Coda no. no the only American race was uh, yeah, no. Long Beach yeah, no. the uh... The funniest thing I found about the Formula E weekend is I have a friend who has never watched Formula E, and she watched it um, for reasons relating to drivers that shall not be mentioned on this podcast. Um, and so she messages me, and she's never she's never seen Formula E. She's only watched, like, F1, IndyCars, NASCAR, all that kind of stuff. She's like, what the hell is this noise? And I was like, like, if you've never heard it, she's like, I, what, 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 like, she's like, I went looking for a mosquito in my room. I was like, yep. Yep. That's pretty you can much hear the tires like, squealing. It's pretty awesome. It, you're like, it throws you so considerably the first time. The thing that throws me is switching your vehicle instead of any other part of it. Like, oh, that's also hilarious. It, it's so funny to watch. Like, 
getting out of a car and getting back into a different car, which is just facing the other direction, I feel like they should be playing the Benny Hill theme song <laughs> they, or in the garage while they, they do it. They should set up an <laughs> obstacle course between the two cars so that it's a little more difficult. Yeah, and the better you do the obstacle course, yeah. you the better chance you have for exactly. bamboo. Oh, yeah, seriously. Um, but I, that's supposed to end in season five when, um, just get and rid it's of just because first. the batteries just aren't efficient enough. Um, they don't really have to worry about tire changes because they don't go fast enough and they don't really have to worry about the degradation quite as much as in other series. Um, although I think, especially if they're only running half distance, right? Uh, and it's a 45 minute race. So I think that when the battery becomes not an issue and you're only using one car, pit stops will become a thing and that'll be super interesting actually. I'm looking forward to seeing how they deal with adjusting from just having a driver change to having pit stops. Like how is the team gonna, you know, adapt to that? That's pretty interesting. So Is it gonna sound like Legos snapping Legos into piece or into place? That's what I imagined that it would sound like putting in all the electrical equipment. I don't I mean I don't think they'd have to touch the electrics, it's just the tires. So it would probably sound like it does in F one or IndyCar. I think they're going to have to adjust the setup of the team because the teams aren't set up to change the tires that that fast right now. Yeah, they'll have to be they'll have to steal from the other more active pit crews like I don't know, there's tons tons of pit crews in NASCAR that need jobs. Like they could use them. That'll be interesting from a budgeting perspective what the implication is for such smaller teams and having to Sarah did you it's have five to, team to score three again? you guys? Brad Marchand and David Backus each have two goals. I'm weeping. I'm wiping wow. the tears out of my eyeballs. Well. It's fine. Jesus Christ. Well, that, yeah, as I said, that's an interesting kind of thing. Like, these are small teams in comparison to F1 and that, and these are large traveling kind of uh, races. So the idea More of having staff. to bring, yeah. you know, more I mean, if you, if you think about it, Obviously, obviously they don't travel across the globe, but in IndyCar teams are not that big. Like, if you think about the smaller, no, it'd be like a GP3. Not even GP3. I mean, if you IndyCar specifically, like teams like KVSH and Rahal Letterman Lenigan do not have that much staff at all, Um, and the pit crews are super small. Like, it's not like F1, GP2, and GP3 where you have like nineteen people changing a tire. Oh, yeah. what if... Where you have people whose job is just to change tires. What if it was one pit crew, you know, they've got a 30 or 40 person team, and you have to strategize when you can pit based on the availabilities of those teams. So like, you know, five people go to help one car, five people go to help another car, five people go to help another car, and maybe two more teams can come in for a pit and they just rotate. So they, instead of being loyal to the team, they're loyal to Series. the to the. The series, um, yeah. That would be interesting. That would definitely be an interesting way to do it. Um, it would cut down on overhead because it's only the same few yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, the other thing, though, is that you think about it, and a lot of the teams participating in this series have the budget to have a decent pit crew. You know, you have Jaguar, you have DS, uh, DS Virgin. So Virgin has tons of money. I'm thinking DS because they're one of my clients, and, like, yeah, they have the budget to do that. Um, you know... Tachita, I don't know. They're kind of jankety anyway. Uh, Mahindra has a massive, you know, support system. They, they run motorcycles too as well. So, uh, you know, most of these teams, they're going to be fine. I mean, you're transferring from, you know, working as a mechanic on some of these cars to working as a tire changer. I feel like that's not that big of a jump to make. 
I mean, it's not an IndyCar, so you'll be fine, Formula E. You'll be fine. <laughs> Those cars are light, they too. Are, yeah. They're not that no, heavy. They, I mean, they have to be, right? So. It's not like NASCAR pit crews where they get, like, former linebackers. <laughs> So the next Formula E race Morocco. is us in Africa, yeah. in Marrakesh. Yeah, that's uh, next month, mid-November. Marrakesh, Morocco. Um, next month, mid-November, and then we got a few months off. Monsoon season, right? It's been it's a long time since uh, actually that we've seen like any form of like top-level motorsports coming in traditional open wheels coming out of there because it's been a long time since the uh grand prix stopped True. running and, in I south mean, africa if you think about it like they're really the only motorsport series that runs in the winter at this point um you know you have race of champions in january but aside from that like it's basically formula e and that's it um and i know they want to make the, they're basically they basically have a year-round calendar you know like season two only ended at the end of june um Next year, it's going to go into July. Uh, so they're basically, yeah, they're going to have a year-round calendar. And, like, yeah, it would be great if we didn't have month-long breaks. But I think they also had a couple races that were tentatively scheduled for January and possibly also December that just fell through. So. I'm sorry. I'm watching the Habs uh, Sabres game, and there was a live camera on someone who didn't know there was a live camera on him, and he, he was so uncomfortable. <laughs> Sorry. So we've we've talked about Formula E. We've talked about Formula One. We should we should jump to the other section and let me. So talk about you Mark talk Weber. about Mark Webber and I might walk away to get a glass of wine. Go. <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm Sarah Connors. This is a two-person podcast. Yes. I would I'm never do that Mark to you Weber when you started talking about cars Alex because Rossi. that glass of water. Gets I just tweet about it. Ever. Ah, that glass of water gift never gets less funny. I use it for everything. Like, like this is, it is so good for so many, like so many usages. It just like it just looks so, so uh, unamused. So, uh, as as uh, was announced today in Japan, Mark Webber, Formula F one driver, current WEC driver for Porsche has announced that at age 40, he's old and he's had enough of this bullshit and he is done. Uh, he will be remaining on C4 as a commentator. He will be a Porsche ambassador. He will have won one championship in his lifetime in WEC, gotten second and third in a ton of others, and never quite managed to win Le Mans. Uh, currently, he is the record holder for most races until you got a win. And nearly a lot of wins without championships or podiums. And all of those records, uh, well, some of those records will be taken by potentially Nico Hulkenberg. Currently, Nico Rosberg holds a bunch of them as well. Um, we will, we will, we will remember his contribution in that water gif, uh, giving us the, uh, Nico Rosberg nickname of Brittany. Which I still don't know whether it is him or not who who stuck the picture in Nico Rosberg's passport. That's my favorite part of it. It's not the nickname itself, but the fact that someone managed to get Nico Rosberg's passport and stick a photo in it. And then he tried to go through customs with the passport with a uh, picture of Britney Spears in it. 
I think he opened it. He opened it up at, I think it was at a hotel desk, he said, in in Dubai, and, like, handed it to the reception person to check him in. And she was like, um, this is a picture of Britney Spears. And it's like, oh, yeah. Um, I also would like to remember the awesomely gross YouTube video that is him doing the Suzuka circuit at full speed while oh, growing no. up. Oh, no. that's gross. Uh. It's gross and it's hilarious. Because they're literally, they're like, like I think he, had, he said in the end he had had some bad okay. sushi. And I think he was winning the <laughs> race. <laughs> Or something like that. And he's and he's like, I'm going to have to retire. And he's like throwing up in his helmet. And, he's like, and, then, and then he's like, and you can hear it. And then he's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. And like throws up again. And then I like, I think this is the same race. And so he was doing this. And I think he was maybe winning. And it looked like it was going to be his first win. And then Sebastian Vettel driving for Toro Rosso drove into the back of him and put them both out of the race. Uh, I know, right? Like, bleh. but it's so funny because he's like telling them that he's fine and then throwing up in between words. And you're like, wow, the, the, the clarity on these radios are really good. I don't understand how you could do that. Like, you can't take your eyes off of what's in front of you for a second. I can't keep my eyes open while I'm throwing no. up. Like, <laughs> none of this makes sense. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, and, and we thought the shoey was gross. Yeah, I just, you know what? At least Mark Webber was cultured enough to never be that gross on a podium. <laughs> he did throw the shoe away, too. <laughs> he took Dan's shoe. I was like, uh... So apparently uh, that Japan race was not Suzuka, look. it was Fuji. But still, Japan... It was Fuji. Vettel. It was in Japan! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> In the heavy rain. Um, look, we all know I'm a, we all know I'm a big Mark Webber fan. He was like my first proper job in sport. And he was unfailingly lovely and quite hilarious to me. And it's also he epitomizes everything that Australians kind of like in sport, like blunt and blunt and. Blunt. <laughs> Um, you know, I is he's one of those characters in in sport where you you never kind of knew you you never didn't know what his opinion was or where he stood on something, and I also really liked the fact that when uh F one was uh when F one was looking at going to Bahrain and they had those massive human rights things happening, he was one of the few drivers that came out and was like, we we probably shouldn't be going. There are bigger, more important things in Bahrain happening right now, and we shouldn't be part of this. And I always liked that, you know, a lot of a lot of people didn't come out and say anything because, you know, what the team said or anything like that. And I respected that he did in that sense, you know, like at least it was it was something. So I always liked that. And I like the fact I had to tell him one day he wasn't allowed to drive the golf cart and I had to drive. <laughs> and that was the most stupid I've ever felt in my life. Actually, no, that was the second most stupid because 10 minutes earlier, I was in a room and I radioed over my headset that it was okay. I'd found Shannon Speedos and I turned around to Mark Webber being the only other person in the room laughing at me because I was radioing someone and holding some guy's Speedos <laughs> in my other hand. Nice. So I felt a little bit stupid. Why wasn't he allowed to drive the golf cart? It was cart? good. 
Because he hadn't signed the paperwork uh, that you had to sign to be covered by like the like the insurance that comes with like borrowing the golf carts. And so it was him, it was me driving him and a V eight supercar driver, and I felt like a dick. Hold on. You were the most qualified driver in that particular instance of driving. Oh god, no. I lost like three people out of these fucking golf carts in five days. <laughs> but you signed the waivers, so technically you are the most qualified. This one was like, this one was like a, it was like a, this one was like gas powered rather than electric. So when you put your foot down, like the motor would kick in and it would like jump and then go. And that jump motion, I'd be like, okay, is everyone holding on? And they'd be like, whatever. And the jump motion would happen and someone would go falling out the back. And I was like, for God's sake. You may have two you may have two Olympic gold medals, but you're not very bright. Get back inside. But yes. So long, Mark Webber. I will still find a way to bring you into just about every podcast for the entire point of annoying Sarah Connors. At least we're gonna see you more. Look, here's the thing, and someone made a really good point about this. Uh Jensen Button is retiring. Retiring. Mark Webber is retiring. Please can we just put both of them? on a broadcast someone else was like and when fernando alonso retires the year after you can just have the three of them i'm like firstly i don't know if you'd get anything done with a broadcast crew of oh my Button, god alonso and weber you would literally it would be like it would be the shenanigans. best shenanigans like literally shenanigans somebody call in the moment if you've ever watched see if, if you ever yeah yeah and and we'll get we'll get dc can stay but if you've ever watched C4 so far this year, they were like, clearly one day they were like, okay, go and interview a driver. And the next minute it's like, Mark Webber is interviewing Fernando Alonso and DC is interviewing Jensen Button. And you're like, you guys didn't even try. Like, you didn't even try. <laughs> you just were like, yeah, I feel like talking to these guys. Let's go, let's go. I don't know. You know what? You'll still but bring him up. It's fine. Sarah, it's fine. I'm done. I'm out. out. I'm done. I'm uh, out. You can go. What else we gotta talk about? We gotta talk about. I want to talk about IndyCar silly season, but we've been talking for like an hour and twenty minutes at this point. So next time, we'll talk next time. But let's put it like this: after the USGP, after the USGP, when we loop back here, IndyCar silly season will be hopefully more dominoes will have fallen. Um, we'll see more great photos of Joseph Newgarden wearing sunglasses. You know what? I'm gonna talk about this really quickly. (laughs) I like. It's, I like thin it's pancakes. It's bothering me so much. I like thin Joseph pancakes. Joseph at Penske is just the weirdest thing, and, like, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um, it's really weird that Chip Ganassi is going to be at Honda next year. Like, I don't I don't know how I feel about that either. AJ Foyt is going to Chevy. They still have zero drivers because Takuma Sato was, like, a big Honda dude, so he's gone. Um, I'm pretty sure Jack Hawksworth is not coming back because he was Jack fucking Hawksworth garbage was this year. Last row of the Indy 500 grid. Last row of pretty much everywhere else, too. Um, there are still, like, five or six open seats in this series right now. Like, the two Foyt cars, the fourth Andretti car, uh, Ed Carpenter's 21 car, and half of the 20. Uh, I don't know if Rahel letterman Lanigan is going to try to run a second car like they did with Spencer Piggott for a couple races, but that's open, too. Um... The KVSH car, like what? I'm all about Kevin Magnuson for you know, IndyCar. Kevin as, Magnuson it's for IndyCar. a pipe dream, but it'd be cool to see. Um, oh, no, no, no. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Didn't he apparently have an IndyCar drive last season? But because 
Fernando Alonso, like, I remember there was actually that interview with Kevin Magnussen that says, yeah, I had an IndyCar drive for 2015, but because I had to come and do Australia for Fernando Alonso because he was injured, I couldn't do it. Yes, he did. Um, but who knows if that team already has all their seats so it's filled. it's not that much of a pipe dream. whatever team he had an agreement <laughs> with has all their seats full this year, like, I don't know if he's going to be that much of a possibility. Just give me uh, Well, there's some hope, hope for sure. I mean, anyone could be in IndyCar. Just give Fucking me Fucking Nelson P.K. Jr. wants to come to IndyCar. Like, anyone could do it. Right? Juan Pablo Montoya still needs a seat. A. Oh, uh, there's probably a jet dryer somewhere that he could <laughs> drive. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Pesky has said that Montoya is uh, welcome to do their sports car program and also run the 500, but he apparently wants a full-time seat. So they're saying that he might go to Ed Carpenter Racing, and I'm like, "Mm, but Ed Carpenter Racing is Team America, so you can't do that. You just, you're not allowed. Do we dare offer a ride to Milkaduno? She's kind of been out of it for a while, though, hasn't she? It's been a couple years. A couple of years. Uh, my new doctor, when I met her, I was like, you have a beautiful accent. Where are you from? And she said, Venezuela. I was like, oh, only people I know from Venezuela are race car drivers. And she was like, oh, yes, Crash Door. Crash Door And then we laughed and laughed. <laughs> and I literally, I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I listened to Grid Girls because I would not be able to like have this rapport with my doctor were it not for the Crash Door joke. Bless. That's excellent. <laughs> I love that. Medical but medical bones forward that the past. He's very important in that respect. Um, I would love to see him in IndyCar. That would be really funny. Um, I wanted to see Simona back in it, but like, oh if- my god, think how great it would be because the car no, doesn't, it doesn't break that easy. It doesn't. It's definitely a little more sturdy than the uh, the F one cars, so that'd be good. I think he needs a roll cage. Like, put him in a stock mm-hmm. car. Mm-hmm. Or track ooh, racing? like rally racing. racing. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, but yeah, we can, we'll go more in depth about IndyCar Silly Season next time after the U.S. Grand Prix, which is the next F1 race, which I'm hyped about because I'm going to be there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, Circuit of the Americas is beautiful. This will be my fourth time there. Um, I got to see the V8s run there in 2013, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, it's, it should be good. I mean, it's nice that the championship isn't wrapped up by this race this year. Uh, we saw Lewis win the championship there last year, which was kind of dull for the rest of the season. Um, hopefully we see something interesting. Last year? Have you ever been on the track? Oh, yeah. They let the fans onto the track um, oh, yeah. after the race. I've never driven it, but... There's a, there's a program, like a motorcycle program that you could do for $3,500. You can go do a track day at Coda. Absolutely worth it. I'm like... I need to go to Coda. How do I get a bike to Coda and have $3,500 to go? They have during a World Endurance Championship weekend, if you have a car that's like the same make as, or uh, yeah, the same make as one of the cars in WEC, you can like drive it around the circuit as like part of a group, as part of your parking pass. So I keep trying to get my friend Elizabeth to like take her Mazda to the track and like go do the thing. She won't do it. <laughs> have you have you ladies heard of the twenty? Oh, like ladies, we gotta drive the Mazda again. <laughs> have you heard of twenty four hours of yes. lemons? Oh my god, they do it in New Hampshire, and I like want to find a team. Yes. Yeah, they do it here in, in, at Sonoma, and it's actually coming up. I think next month. Um, I'm gonna go cover it. I've wanted to do it, and I've told my dad like three hundred times, like 
my old Volvo. Let's get it. Let's let's put a roll cage in it, strip it down, and I'm going to drive it into the sun. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure I've driven for 24 hours straight before. I could probably do it by Arnica. myself. Maybe with one other driver. We could... Your butt would hurt, though, all well, the yeah, turns. That's true. That's true. And you have to, like, kind of go fast, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I'd love to do that at some point. I'm, I might look into it next year. It's pretty inexpensive. Like, I think you're, you're $500 for your car, $300 for your safety package or something like that. Or no, safety equipment's not, not included. But I think you ladies should do yeah, it. You should, you should be a team. I, you know what? If I do it, I'll report back and we'll do an episode about it. Wait, wait. The problem is, the problem is I would love to be part of this team, but someone would have to teach me how to drive a manual beforehand. You don't have to do a manual in 24 Hours of Lemons. You could do an automatic. I mean, it is a disadvantage, but... Because I have no idea how to drive... I have no idea how to drive a manual. No, my car's a stick shift, so I'd be fine. I'd be okay. So you'd have to be race control. Sarah and I'll drive. (laughs) Look, we have part of a team here already. It's okay. I'm good at telling people. I'm look. I am very good at sitting around and. We telling could even people use my do. car because my Toyota Yaris uh, is delightful, and if you put a roll cage in it, I can also use it for rallies. Two for one. Uh, I should look into rallies. My fam, my grandparents were rally car racers back in the day in Scotland. Good old grandma winning her Scottish champions. Badass. Well, Sarah Connors, you are going to the USGP, not this weekend, but next weekend. Pending this being, if you are listening to this on Thursday, which you will not be because I have not edited <laughs> So it, probably this coming Sarah weekend. Sarah Connors, you are heading to the USGP and then, yeah, probably coming this coming weekend. Uh, you will report back to us along with any uh any thoughts from fellow grid girl liz who will also be accompanying Mm -hmm. you yeah i'll try to do i'll see if i can do any sort of like interview nonsense at all i mean we're gonna do the autograph session so maybe if i can get sebastian metal to say words into my microphone i'll do the thing (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like the best way for him to get in trouble hey can you say i don't want to get kicked out of this race (laughs) it's fine well, for for the Japanese edition of the Grid Girls, Shannon, you need to tell us all about where we can find you on the internet. Okay. I'm Oshanada on everything. Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. Um, O-S-H-A-N-A-D-A. Oshanada. <laughs> basically. Exactly. It's like O-Canada, but with a sh. Exactly, exactly. And my website, if you want to check that out, uh, is surlapatinois.com. If you don't know how to spell it, look on the back of a Canadian $5 bill. It's on the bottom. <laughs> we will put it in the, we'll put it in the, we'll put it in the notes for our cool. show. You mean the old Canadian five, right? Yeah, the old one. So I, I keep a really janky one in my wallet. And if I run into Canadians, I ask them, can I buy a $5 bill off of you? I'll give you an American one and it's worth more because I want one of the old ones yeah. again. Yeah, I have one in my, I have one in my desk drawer too. They're really pretty. They have hockey on the back if you haven't seen them. The they new- do. There's a girl yeah. skating on the back. The new ones, the I best. think the new fives have science on them or something like that. The Canadarm. Oh, it's the, yeah, yeah, the Canadarm. The- the space station, yeah. which is cool too, but also like not hockey. So no. 
But yeah, thank you for listening. We'll catch you after the U.S. Grand Prix, and uh, good night. You didn't even let me do my normal wrap-up. I hate you.